It's the final countdown. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Jackie, what? <laughs> what are you doing? I'm so excited. Why? It's a matter of days until we're in Branson. Ain't that right, Kip? Right, we're performing at Silver Dollar City for three weeks in Branson, Missouri. Yeah! I'm excited. That's great. I don't know what to pack. <laughs> well, you don't wear clothes. I know, that's why it's so difficult to figure out what to pack. Ain't that right, Kip? Has Kip picked out what he's going to pack? He has. Good. Alright. Hey, can I introduce the person we have on today's show? Sure. Okay. Psych. Dang it. Today we have Alex Hooper. First of all, welcome back to Land and Live. <laughs> it's been a been a minute. Ain't that right, Cap? Hold on, Jackie. Sorry. It's been a minute. Uh, today we have Alex Hooper. He is a comedian. You've seen him on America's Got Talent roasting uh, two years. He was on America's Got Talent two different seasons, and uh, he made a, uh, a comeback and was hilarious. He was great, yes. And uh, you can see his stuff on YouTube under Alex Hooper, I believe it's Hooper Hair Puff uh, Comedy, and he is hilarious. He's got his own style that he's going with, and it's very different from his roast comedy, which I think is really cool. Uh, of course, there are two different forms of comedy, stand-up and then roast comedy, but it was it was neat seeing him do a stand-up set. So go check that out. Follow him on social media at Hooper Hair Puff, and sit back and enjoy this, and just close your eyes and enjoy the podcast. Unless you're driving, then you might want to keep them open and maybe turn this down. Ain't that right, Cap? Here's my interview. Our interview. Here's our interview. Yeah. With Alex Hooper. Hello and welcome to Landon Live. My name is Landon Harvey. Today we have Alex Hooper, comedian and roast master. Alex, how are you doing today? I am so happy to be here, Landon. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to have you. I like you're wearing purple. I'm wearing purple. The show theme is purple. It's fantastic. I love it. I know you have purple brick behind you. I didn't even know that was a thing. And yet here well, it you is. Know, we, we make it work here at Landon Live. So most of the people know you from AGT. Uh, what was your first experience with that like? And what was it like when they brought you back? Because they seldom do that with people. Yeah, uh, I mean, I never thought I would go on that show in the first place. Uh, when I went on there the first time in 2018 to roast the judges, uh, overall, it was not my favorite experience. Uh, if anyone has watched that audition, you will completely understand why. It was right. soul-crushing in every sense of the word. Um, but it also made me extremely strong at the same time and resilient and realized that I could take on anything. So when they invited me back in 2020, I knew I had learned a lot more and gotten better so that I'd be completely ready to for whatever was going to happen this year. And well, let's just say a lot happened that was completely up in the air. But yeah. you got to roll with the punches, dude. Well, it, it's really neat. Did you did they bring you on saying, hey, we want you to do roast comedy because you also do stand up. And I know roast is a completely separate genre. And it's yeah. on beast tackle. So what was what was that like? Or did you want to present yourself as a roast comic? 
No, so they, I mean, basically the first time they recruited me, so they came to Roast Battle, which is a show we do at the Comedy Store, it's been a show on Comedy Central that I was also on, and they asked a few of the roasters uh, to, if they wanted to audition, because they wanted somebody to roast the judges, I showed them how I like to do it, which is in these very extravagant costumes with a lot of pageantry, uh, Uh very much like a court jester, you know, and they were just into it, so so uh, I decided I was like, my standup is not right for that show. I don't want to put my standup on that show, but I will gladly go out there and, you know, insult these iconic, beautiful people. Well, I love that. And um, I love how uh, you your fans are so loyal from even your first audition and you coming back, um, which I thought was absolutely um, phenomenal. So it's it's really neat. How do you go about because I assume all the because it's cu- the custom material for the judges. How do you go about presenting that uh, to AGT, and how does that how does that filter? I mean, I'm sure you've had you've had to have uh, some that weren't able to make the final cut. <laughs> oh, I've had plenty that couldn't make the cut. But yeah, I mean, basically, we, as soon as we agree that I'm going to do it, I send them a tape of uh, like three to four jokes for each judge in the vein and the style that I want to do it in. And basically, mm-hmm. they'll start either approving or denying certain jokes so I know where I can kind of play but typically for each judge like even if I only have I'm going to do three or four jokes I write at least 20 and I just keep throwing AGT options like the producers I'm like what about this what about this and what I what I started to do um was throw them really no can I cuss on here or should I not yeah that's that's fine Okay. I started throwing them some really gnarly shit that I knew that they were going to be like, there's no way you can say this on the show, Alex. So then I would send them stuff that was still kind of like incorrect, but also right. pushing pushing the boundaries. And then they'd be like, okay, well, that's not as bad as this other one you said. So I guess we're going to go with this one. So <laughs> I, I made one of my one of well, something that makes me really happy to think about is every time i sent them jokes they would have to sit in a meeting with all of the producers <laughs> and everybody and read these out loud and i can only imagine the faces on some of these people when they heard because some of these jokes were super offensive, and I did that on yeah. purpose, knowing they were going to have to read them out loud in meetings. And I'm, I'm sure the person in there that's reading them out has no sense of delivery whatsoever. <laughs> no, probably not, which makes it even better. And I always told them, I'm like, yeah. they, they always told me I made their job more fun just because, you know, uh-huh. like the thing is, like, the dancers, the singers, the jugglers and all that, of course they're super fun, but, like, it's not like I kept feeding them material. Like, so I was just giving them new jokes all the time. And mm-hmm. I know in that vein that they really liked having me around. And that's probably the reason why they brought me back and kept me going through each round is because I gave them something different. But I also kind of just illuminated their job a little bit. Of course. What were some of the top uh, roasts that they wouldn't let you use? Uh, I'll tell you a couple of them because I actually have this as a down a two dollar download on my website, like the top ten. Oh, okay, uh, great. Yeah, the top ten jokes they wouldn't let me say. Um, mm-hmm. And these are all they were all from um, my very final uh, performance, which is when I was on the throne reading the roast book. Um, yeah. So 
Uh, my, uh, let me see if I can remember. I mean, the one that always sticks out to me that I love so much was for Sophia. And it was, I loved your soda commercials. That's no joke, but I was surprised it was Pepsi. Most Colombians sell Coke. <laughs> I begged them That's for great. like weeks. We have like 50 emails back and forth. I'm like, you gotta <laughs> let me use this joke. You gotta let me do it. And they were like, we can't, we can't do it. We can't stereotype an entire country. I was like, ah, okay. Um, there's another one that I had um for Simon or I'm trying to remember uh I had one for Terry Crews that was like, he grew up in Flint, he left Flint, Michigan, so he wouldn't feel trapped. His skin used to be white, but he drank from the tap. And they were like, oh, that is, that's racist, that's offensive, that's this. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of those things. They, I mean, but the thing is, they told yeah. me, the judge, my producer told me, go hard. Alex and I was like do you know what that means for me like I like when I do this on like on roast battle on comedy central we're not we, nobody looks at our jokes we just go out there and whatever we wrote and no matter how offensive it is that's what gets put out there so in this case I was like you don't want me to go as hard as you think you want me to go yeah yeah so they really had you go all out and they just kind of Pulled you back and tamed your material from there. Yeah, very much so. And that's typically what happens with me is I will be like, let me show you as far as I can go. And then you rein me in to where you are comfortable with me living in this space. Um, but I will say, I mean, they were very respectful. They listened every time I wanted to fight for a joke. If they, if they, I would ask them, I'm like, why isn't this okay? And really they would always give me a reason they'd say well here's what the network says here's what these people say so mm -hmm. there was a very it was a very give and take relationship and i i'm very thankful to them for always listening to my ideas uh whenever however crazy they may be well to those of you uh out there that are fans of alex and have checked out his comedy you'll know that his comedy style is phenomenal i i love it i was checking out your youtube uh, before we did this, Thanks. and it's absolutely hilarious. Um, but it's very different from your work when you do roasts. So is it is your approach to that and your writing process different for each, or is it kind of the same because it's in your style? No, it's I, I really approach them differently. Like, I mean, roasting is its own comedic art form and mm -hmm. i my the one thing is like i don't like to be pinned into one box like i like to be part of many different things i want to be a multi-faceted mm -hmm. performer um so when i write stand when i write roast jokes it's like putting together little puzzles like i figure out okay if sophia was in it was in pepsi commercials but she's from colombia well how do i link these two things together right whereas that when mm -hmm. i write stand-up i think of a general idea such as as what if instead of like Tinder, all you saw was the dog, was the person's animal. And then I'll start, go to my computer and I'll start writing that out. Like, well, what would that look like? And how would I say it on stage? And I'll find the moments within it and then like mm -hmm. cut away all the fat. So it's a, it's a lot less like roasting. is The roast jokes are a lot more like... I try to just really make them as word economical as possible and as tight as possible. And I'll just keep going through different phases until I find the exact 
wording that I want. Whereas with stand-up, I might take an idea to the stage and just keep running with it until it ends up in a place where I'm happy. Wow, I love that. How did you get into comedy and how did it bring you to where you are today where you know who you are as a comic? Because that's such an important thing. Oh man, I mean, that takes so long. I mean, comedy yeah. is something that I moved, I moved, I started doing like uh, professional acting work while I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, going okay. to school. And I got yeah. into a couple movies. I joined the Screen Actors Guild. So I moved out to California to be an actor, got bored very quickly. And a me somebody put a friend of mine pushed me into stand up and I was the first time I did I was like this is it this is all I want to do so I just started like attacking stand up as hard as I could doing any open mic any show writing as often as I could really just like going after it and it took me years to actually figure out like who I was what I wanted to be how I wanted to present myself but what really did it is like I really just started owning who I was and like loving wearing like uh, like eclectic clothing and I, I go to a lot of music festivals and Burning Man and stuff like that and just got inspired by the creativity and the radical self-expression of these people and I was like if I can merge my festival world with my stand-up world I will create this super fun magical environment that is a little unseen in the comedy world like there's a few <laughs> comics that do stuff like that but right. i was really trying to merge these cultures together and i still am and that's kind of what motivates me is just to, how do i how do i just do whatever i want to do be as free as possible express myself however i choose and still cultivate a fan base of people that are into what I'm doing and want to be part of this community that I'm, that I've growing. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever had any of your fans or any people that have seen you live compare uh, your work to someone else's or oh, maybe well, like, your yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the time, but I mean, it's usually like, I mean, you know, it's a lot of, it's like people compare me a lot to Sam Kinison, who was like this legendary okay. stand-up comic from the eighties. Yeah. You know, he's a, uh, we have similar hair. He's like to scream a lot. He was very eccentric and loud on stage, big personality. Um, sure. You know, I get, um, I mean, I get a lot of different things, but what I really try, have tried to do in the past few years is really make it so that. I am totally my own comedian, my own human being. So I'm whoever when you want to compare me to, that's fine. But in mm -hmm. the end, I think people are realizing that I am branching out and doing things differently yeah. and creating my own personality and style in the comedy world. Wow. I love that. I love that. Uh, switching gears here, what are some of your top comedian pet peeves? Ooh. Um... So when people, if, if a comic on stage ever goes, ah, what else? What else? What else? <laughs> I can't stand it. I really yeah. can't. And it's because it just says to me that you didn't do your homework. You didn't prepare for this. Like, mm -hmm. you know, or you, if you're lost, that's one thing. I don't like when comedians use notes on stage. Um, I... For the most part, like I like anybody who's I, I support anyone who wants to try comedy in whatever style they want to do it and however they want to approach it. Um, what bothers me mm. is when people just want to be part of the comedy culture but don't actually contribute 
anything. And that happens often because people are like, oh, there's a community here. I can go to these coffee shops and these bars every night and I'll see similar faces and they'll see me. Do they really want to be a comedian? Maybe, but a lot of them are not willing to do the work. People people think we just get to fuck off all day. And right. like, if you want to be any good, that's you can't. You need to put in the work in any aspect whenever you're whenever you're doing it. And so honestly, like, yeah, I mean that most comedians I have nothing but love for, but if you're not willing to do the work and you just want to be like, like when somebody goes, Oh, I'm I people say I'm a comedian, but I would never get on stage. I'm just like, you Yeah, well you're like the funny bitch. person in the friend group. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're like, yeah. I make all my friends laugh. I'm like, okay, well then get on stage by yourself and go do it. Like, you mm -hmm. know, like I would I would never like walk up to a plane and be like, you know, I could fly a plane <laughs> if I wanted to. If you let me right. sit in the cockpit, Mr. Pilot, I promise I'll land this plane. But I'm not gonna do it right now. You know, like no. Of course. Yeah. Well, what's, what's uh, one of your favorite roasts that you've done? Like, looking um, back at your career so far, like, big picture. I mean, the very first time I ever did it in full costume was such a mm -hmm. moment for me. It was November okay. of 2016 at the Comedy Store. I wore what I wore the first time on AGT in 2018, like that red furry unitard with the blue tail. Yeah. And nobody had ever done anything like that before at Roast Battle. And it was such a moment that I realized like, oh, I can do whatever I want here. <laughs> so that one really sticks out into a place of true growth and just believing in what I was doing. Um, but I mean, I've had so many legendary battles and then really, I think, I do think that the one, the final performance 2020 with, with the throne in the book was such a culmination of everything that I'd been building towards because I brought it wasn't just me saying jokes. I brought in all these other elements with these illustrations and all of these yeah. things. And I just felt like I really did something new and different. And I was super proud of that performance. Absolutely phenomenal. And you're busy right now. You've been very busy. You have a podcast. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Very neat. So uh, I have Achilles Heel Podcast, everybody. Uh, and what that is, is that every single Monday we drop a new episode and I invite just incredible people, a lot of comedians, a lot of musicians, artists, writers, whatever you may be. Um, mm -hmm. And I ask them whatever they think their biggest flaw is. What holds you back the most in life? What is your Achilles heel? And mm -hmm. I deep dive with them into how it has shaped them, how they battle it, uh, the positive that they have gained from having to deal with it. And it's super fun. It's really therapeutic. Uh, I think no matter what, who the guest is or what the topic is, you're always going to get tips of how to live a more fruitful life. And that's really like... That's really my thing. Like, I, people think I'm this asshole because I because they know me <laughs> as a roaster, and I'm yeah. not. I'm just being silly and I'm just having fun. And I want, and I, and people that really know me know that about me because they, inside and outside, I'm extremely loving. I'm very empathetic. I am very, I support everybody. I'm very optimistic, very positive. And so I like talking about this really dark shit but putting it in a light where it's 
you know, easily listenable and easy to just really absorb for people. And I know the podcast has helped me a lot and I know it's helped listeners a lot. So there's been so many incredible episodes and it never stops being interesting. Um, it's mm. never a dull moment. The things that people have told me their Achilles heels are, are crazy. Like if I asked you that question, Landon, would you know what, what yours is? Yeah. What would so. you say? Um, I would say mine is, uh, the thing that's held me back the most is, uh, probably my expectation for myself to be perfect in everything I do. Yep. That's a big one. I actually just did an episode on that like six weeks ago. So uh, my friend, uh, mm -hmm. comedian Stuart Thompson did perfectionism. Okay. And yeah, and that's the thing is like, that is something that people is very real. People don't finish mm -hmm. projects because they were like, oh, no, it's not ready yet. It's not this. It's not this. And at some point, done is better than perfect. And you just have to start putting stuff out and realizing that. I love that. Done is better than perfect. Yes, it truly is. And the thing is, like, people are always going to judge you for what you do, but it's how you own it. And it's all about how you treat your work. And so Achilles Heel has been just such a, a such a wonderful project for me and something that I, I can't imagine like when I will stop it or what will cause me to stop it. Just because having the conversations is like weekly therapy. Yeah, I love that. And it's got a great theme. Um, and keeping this this light, you also have a book called uh, Rose Girl Happiness. Do I have it right here? Wait, yes, I do. Ba, 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 ba. Hi, everybody. Yeah. So awesome. this is my this is my book, everybody. Uh just came out uh, a few weeks ago. It's called Roast Yourself to Happiness. And basically it's a 28-day workbook to where I teach you how to write roast jokes about yourself. So you tear yourself down and then we build you back up to essentially take the power back from all of the judgments and everything else that is floating through all of our heads. Um, I teach you how to love what you hate about yourself, which was a very important process that I learned through roasting. And so that you don't care sure. if you have a giant nose or a, a bump on your head that just keeps growing mm -hmm. and some skin tag, or, you know, maybe you have a fourth leg. I don't know, but whatever it is, you just, I teach you how to make fun of it until you don't care anymore and you own it. And so there's exercises and activities and ideas and concepts. And of course, a shit ton of jokes because I wrote a self-help yeah, yeah. book for people that would never read a self-help book. How did you get into even thinking about taking that on? I read a lot of them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I say I, I read a, I read a lot and almost every other book I read is some sort of self-help personal development growth book. And so I've just incepted all of these concepts. And essentially, when you read enough self-help books, you realize they're all just spouting the same thing again and again and just rewriting it in different languages. Yeah. So I kind of realized, like, okay, people know me as this very positive force in the comedy world. I'm usually in a very good mood. I'm just silly. So how can I translate how I how I became this into a book where I think people could benefit from the practices that I use. And so it just kind of became like, I don't know what to do. There's no stand-up right now. I can't tour. I don't have anything to do all day. I need a project. And so 
my fiance and I started talking and then this kind of just came out. And within two months of this idea, we were printing the book and you could buy it. So this was a very fast project. I just, I just put my head down and did it. And, yeah. you know, I'm very lucky. Uh, my good friend, Jeff Ross put a little thing on the cover that says, besides being hilarious, Alex appreciates the value of living a positive and roast worthy life. His only mission is to make people feel good about themselves. Still this book stinks. So thank you, Jeff Ross for writing that quote for me. Yes, um, so where can people get the book? Amazon or my website, hoopercomedy.com. But uh, it's only $5 for the Kindle, 18 for the paperback. And uh, like I said, it's a workbook. I mean, there's pages you can tear out. There's pages you can write on and all this other stuff. And so it really is meant to just really kind of not – it's not going to fix your life. It's not going to transform your life, but it gives you tips and tools that if you decide to start implementing them, you will see positive change. I love that. Where can people follow you? Find out more about what you do. Hoopercomedy.com at Hooper Hair Pup on all social media. Um, all of my tour dates and all that stuff are on my website. Uh, Calicio comes out every Monday. You can get that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, I have a YouTube channel that has a special on it that I released from London uh, mm -hmm. and a bunch of other fun things. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find, dude. <laughs> or just walk outside and scream Alex Hooper and see if anyone comes running. Uh, and if somebody, you know, that kind of looks like an Oompa Loompa after uh, meth addiction comes running out, then, you know, you found me. Well, I love that. Alex, in wrapping up here, what is your future advice to um, wannabe comics or people wanting, saying, thinking maybe comedy's for me? What's yeah, your advice? Um, do the work trust yourself and be just understand that it's going to take a lot longer than you want it to. So really enjoy the process of writing, of going on stage, of bombing, of creating content and projects, work with people, like get your friends involved so you can all be a part of the experience. The more people you work with, the more people are going to succeed down the road. And, you know, that's a huge thing. So really though, just explore who you are and think about if you're going to be on stage and everyone is listening to you, you better come with something to say that is funny, important, poignant, relevant, just something. This is your opportunity to speak when nobody else is. So really think about what you want to say and go nuts, everybody. Absolutely phenomenal. Alex Hooper, thank you so much for being part of Land and Live and for sharing your story. Thank you, Landon. You are a delight. This was such a pleasure. Good interviewer, by the way, man. How old are you? 17? Oh, thank you. I'm sorry? How old are you? I'm 20. Oh, you're 20. For some reason, I thought you told me you were 17. So now I'm super offended. I'm super sorry that I was just like... <laughs> no worry. Oh, Everyone says I look like I'm 12. So that's one of that's one of my things. It's one of the things well, I scribble in the book I buy from you. <laughs> it's true. If, if you ever asked me for drugs, I would card you. So... Um... <laughs> All right, well, take care, Alex, and thank you for all of those that have tuned in. Thanks, brother.